Welcome everybody to Clearwater Jazz Holidays Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Today's educator and musician is Butch Thomas, and his topic is a basic approach to jazz improvisation. As a reminder, we are recording these sessions for the purpose of Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach. Participants are muted upon entering the session, and we appreciate you remaining muted for the duration of the session. However, if you have questions, we will get to you. You can use the chat feature, and we will make sure that we bring that, that question to Butch's attention, or you can use the raise your hand feature, and we can unmute you, and we can have a conversation together with Butch. We hope you enjoy today's session. I can see many familiar faces or and names, and we hope you've been enjoying these. Uh, we have these on the books through the end of June, and we're adding more each day. If you have a specific uh, topic that you'd like us to cover, please email that to info at clearwaterjazz.com. That's I-N-F-O at clearwaterjazz.com. And your feedback is also welcome. We'd like to thank our many supporters for making this possible, including our great friends at the Al Downing Tampa Bay Jazz Association. And let me, let me introduce today's musician who is very special to us. Butch Thomas is a regular participant with Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach, specifically our History of Jazz Outreach Program and our My Journey with Jazz Program. Butch was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. He received his Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in music from Webster University. Soon after graduating, Butch relocated to New York City, where he established a relationship with the great instrumentalist and composer Jaco Pastorius. He was featured on recordings, The Promised Land, Punk Jazz, New York City Jam, and The Rest is History. He continued to perform with well-established artists, including The Temptations, Thomas Dolby, Lenny Kravitz. He's received a number of video credits, including Lenny Kravitz's hit, It Ain't Over Till It's Over, Queen Latifah's How Do I Love Thee, and Sting's You Still Touch Me. He would later tour extensively with Sting, after which he became placed in heavy demand by yet another hierarchy of stars, including James Taylor, Elton John, Diana Ross, in a feature spot on Aretha Franklin's hit song, A Rose is Still a Rose, UK version, written and produced by singer-songwriter Lauren Hill. If you would like to get in touch with Butch Thomas, you can reach out to Butch and find him at his website, butchthomas.net. He is available for online lessons, for recording sessions, and much more. He is just a delight, and we are lucky to have him as part of our extended family of Musician. Butch Thomas, welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. The stage is all yours, my friend. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone. This is Butch Thomas. My topic for today is a basic improvisation, right? In basic jazz improvisation. Um, <clears throat> the first thing I'm going to talk about is developing creativity. First of all, if you are a beginning improviser, you should have familiarized yourself with your scales. 
the four skills that you should know are your major, your pure minor, your minor, and your mixolydian scale. These are the basic ingredients that you're going to use over basic improvisation, such as the blues or modal tunes. Now, to develop one's ear, everybody sings, of course. So to be able to play what you sing with the potential of your instrument, as far as your knowledge of your instrument, is the first step. That's the, one of the most important steps. Some people are shy about doing this, but you should not be afraid to sing and imitate what you sing within reason. Now, my suggestions would, to, would be to start off simple and find songs that you can memorize and ultimately play them. But at first, you must sing them to understand. Another good exercise for young improvisers is to get real familiar with the blues. Once again, in singing, new improvisers should sing at least six courses of the blues every day. This develops your creativity. This develops your imagination. And don't be afraid to stretch out and experiment and explore and make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes at first. This is how we learn. So as much as one can, transfer what you hear to the instrument. Always start off slow, never start off fast. Start off simple. And also a very important thing as a young improviser to develop is technical studies. Every student should find a teacher, the best teacher that they can find to help them and nurture them in their growth of being a great improviser one day. There are some books that I would recommend for every young improviser to have. One is a technical study. Another one is the Jamie Abersold Volume 1, How to Improvise book. It's a blue book. It's Volume 1. And this is a book that you will never outgrow. Even to this day, I use that book as a reference for some things. So it's like a Bible. It's got all the nomenclature, scale advice, technical advice, as far as being, you know, in jazz studies. And it's all around just real wholesome book to always have in your collection. I also recommend standards. There's a set of beginning standards that the early musicians should learn. But I'm going to name a few for you. Um, satin doll, blues, the 12 bar blues in B flat in F concert. A song for my father, maiden voyage, 
sea jam blues, just to name a few. And these are songs that you can get started with and start developing your ear. There's also modal songs that you can learn, such as impressions. So you have different kinds of song forms here. You have your modal form, you have a blues form, you have a standard form. And there's about five or six, maybe more forms that eventually a good improviser needs to learn based off of jazz standards. So getting back to um, the scale knowledge, let's take the blues for instance. If you were playing a blues, you have a 12 bar form. A good way to look at it at first when you just get started is you have four separate bars, which I'd like to call the call, the response, and the call. The basic chords of the blues are one, four, five, resolving back on one. Then later on, there's other different forms with two, five turnarounds, which you'll learn as you get more advanced. But for now, this is your basic blues form, which was started by the rural blues musicians and the country blues musicians down in the Mississippi Delta. where it transformed to New Orleans and transferred to Chicago and St. Louis and New York. And each time it migrated, the changes got a little bit more modified with the thing that we call substitutions. So like I said before, long, later on in your studies, you will experience these different forms. But for now, your basic blues form is one, four, five. Now, if you have pencil and paper, it would be good to write some of the things that I'm talking about down so you can do some future reference. Okay, now, what are some of the creative effects that you can use when you are soloing? Well, there's various effects that you can use such as repetition, such as high registers or low registers. Let's talk about building tension first. When you start off your solo, you're gonna start off simple. So you can build a story or tell a story rather. And as you were telling your story, you wanna build not too fast, but you build and you level off. And you play a line, you fire a line. Then you go up the ladder, down, up the ladder, down. Then you fire another line. Till you, till you get to the top where you climax. But just a little bit at a time to make your solo effective. When you get ready to decrease the tension, you do the opposite things like play longer tones. You can play nothing, you can have silence. You can play 
slower pattern. You build yourself down. But there's many, like I said, there's many ways to, to do this. Other good um, effects for soloing are things like growls, repetition, because that always builds excitement. People go crazy when you do repetition a lot of times. Um, patterns, sequential patterns, such as like, when I say sequential, I'm dealing with numbers. Say major one, two, three, five. That means the first note, second note, third note, and fifth note. Say I'm using D major. The C, D, E, and G. One, two, three, five. Now you take this up and you transpose it into half steps and you have everything in all 12 keys. And this is what we call a digitally sequential pattern. Now, what I like to do with my students, along with the technical exercises, and I am a firm believer in the Henry Close book, 25 Daily Exercises. I've been using that book for quite a few years, and it's a very standard book. Charlie Parker even used this book. I got this book from my father. And took me a long time to appreciate it, but it helps get your fingers together. So you can improvise and use speed with cleanliness. This is what this book is really good for. Another good thing you should do every day as a good improviser is that you need to learn and practice every day your scales the whole instrument from the lowest note. And this goes for all instruments, not just saxophone players. This goes for pianists, trumpet players, guitar, singers, it doesn't matter. You use the full facility of your instrument, up and down, all 12 keys, all two or three octaves, whatever your instrument has. After that, you should do your minor scales. First the pure minor, then the Dorian minor. <clears throat> then you do your Mixolydian scales in the same way. And this is important to do because a lot of people don't know how to play in every key. Most people I know of don't know how to play in every key. This is something that is unnecessary and this is something that you need to master because this way you can play in any key if you're playing with a singer who has a specific key you'll be able to play in that key and not have to worry or be intimidated whatsoever so it's a good practice to do that and it will free you up with your own creativity you should practice every day your craft. You can have one day off, but generally speaking, six days a week you should be practicing according to your level. If you were a beginner, you should be practicing at least minimum one hour a day because this is all work. This is no luck. 
and one as they're young or beginning must spend the time while they have the time. So the growth process can be a lot smoother as you get, as you get older or have older experience when you're playing. Does anybody have any questions so far? I just sent out a chat to everybody, Butch, um, asking them also if they have any questions. So I'll let you know if I see someone. Um, so far, I don't see any questions just yet. Okay. Now, the quality of the dominant seventh chord, which is basically the blues, uses a scale called the Mixolydian scale. And that's primarily in the one, four, five form, the scale that is widely used. Later on, they have topics about substitution, but let's stay with the basics. Now, the Mixolydian scale is a major scale with a flat seven, seventh degree of the scale that is. So if you have a C major scale, we know the notes are C, D, E, F, G, A, B, with C the octave. To spell this chord in a Mixolydian, is C, D, E, F, G, A, B flat, C, with the octave. This gives it a whole nother tonality. I'm going to play that for you. most important notes in a scale are your third and your seventh note. The raised third and the raised seven dictates that it's going to be a major quality. If you flat the third and the seventh, that becomes a minor quality. If you just flat the seventh in a major scale, that gives it a dominant seventh quality which is very widely used in blues and country music and also early rock and roll. These are the basic things that come to mind to get started, you know, becoming a good improviser. Your practice habits, your scales, your technical exercises, learning tunes, and just being consistent because, like I said, it's all work. It's no luck. So if anybody has any questions at this time, feel free to ask. 
So, hey, Butch, I have a question. Um, I thought it might be helpful since we have some folks with us today to talk about some of the upcoming sessions that you're going to be diving a little bit deeper into. I know that we have you up on the schedule on May 28th for a topic that we're calling a daily practice regimen. And yes. we also have you on June 4th and June 15th with us diving into a two-part topic on head charts. Yes. So I was, I was, I was uh, hoping you might be able to explain a little bit of what, what types of things you plan to dive a little bit deeper into with those sessions. Okay, well, first of all, the practice regimen is going to be a lengthy subject about how to prepare for your tonality as far as practicing long tones. We're going to get deeper into scales and how to apply them. We're going to talk about technical exercises and studies and things of that sort. So the, the, and then the, what about head charts? What are head charts and what do you intend to do on the, the uh, other sessions? Okay, well, head charts, we're going to talk about different forms of music and learning how to memorize these charts without using sheet music. We will talk about the development as far as learning how to develop, uh, learning these in sections. So you have a form, you learn the first eight bars, second eight bars, third eight bars, and you put it together once you've learned all these sections. And then you understand the harmony, the harmonic concept of the chords. Mm -hmm. This is how we go about really learning the head charts. It's an oral communication or oral information. Gotcha. Those will be good. We also have another question from someone today that's asking, how often should we practice scales and arpeggios? You should practice your scales after your long tones. And I will get into this on the next session as far as the practice regimen. Because this is a very important topic. And it's something that needs to have some kind of strategic organization when you practice as far as like, how do you do this? When do you do this? I say the first part of your practice to get your fingers limber. Before you do your technical exercises, you do your scales. Before you do your scales, you do your long tones. Thank you, Butch. I don't see any other questions right now, but certainly people can use the chat feature or send them in if they have any. Okay. Well, I hope that everyone comes to the next session. This has been a very enjoyable experience for me. It's a first. Well, we're, so looking for, we're, we're excited and happy to have you on board with us, Butch. We think that you're going to add a lot as we go through with this virtual adaptation of our sessions and just having you with us and thinking of some interesting topics is, is really great. Is uh, I see you have your saxophone with you today. Is there any other, any other technique? that you would like to demonstrate before we end today's session that you think would be illustrative or helpful on the topic of a basic approach to jazz improvisation? Uh, I, I, 
I'd like to demonstrate scales real quick. Major scales, exercise. You should do this all the way from the root to the ninth, which is the note above the octave. See, if you're going from C, you're going to go all the way to D in the second octave back down. Then you're going to modulate. This is how you should practice your scales. Do them slow at first until you can build the speed up. Do the same thing with your pure minors and your Dorian minor. And this will help your facility and clean up whatever is happening. I'm going to talk about, <clears throat> pardon me, finger height in the next session also, which creates good and clean speed. Hey, Butch, one, uh, I have a question for you. So I know you, you work and have worked a lot with beginning jazz students. What, what are some of the things you see in terms of a consistent sort of apprehension from a young beginner student as it relates to improvisation? And what advice do you have for them? Well, they should listen to as many jazz greats as possible. They should copy the stuff that they hear to the best of their ability. This gives you a broader spectrum of creativity because you're learning from the master's ideas. So this will help your own original ideas later on in life. That's great, Butch. Who, who are some people that you listen to frequently? Uh, throughout the years, <clears throat> I used to study Charlie Parker. I studied Charlie Parker extensively for a few years. I had the Omni book. There's a book called the Omni book. And I memorized the Omni book and I got the recordings and I could play with the recordings and I memorized a lot of his solos. And then I switched to tenor, and I got really deep into John Coltrane. And I did the same thing with John Coltrane's books and records and stuff. I learned and listened to them. And I used to off and on study with this guy named Michael Brecker. And he was a... I learned a lot about sound from him, not so much as far as like technical stuff. I learned most of my technical studies from a bassist named Jaco Pastorius. I spent more time studying with him, I think, than anybody. I studied, I studied with Jaco for about three or four years as I was in the band. So these are the people that I checked out. These are the people that I learned from. Those are some incredible people. What an amazing time of your life that must have been working with him. That's incredible. yeah. I was I was a kid. I met Jaco before I started playing saxophone. I was like fifteen years old, and <clears throat> later on, as fate has it, I wound up playing in his band. That's so cool. Well, we're, we're just, um, we're reaching about the half hour mark. And so we're kind of closing down, but I want to remind everybody 
that Butch is going to be back with us on May 28th for a daily practice regimen uh, course. And then on June 4th and June 15th on a two-part series on learning head charts. And he's going to die, be dissecting a couple of songs on each of those courses that I think will be very, very uh, helpful and, and great classes. This week we are packed with amazing musicians continuing to participate. Tomorrow at 4.30, we've got Alejandro Arenas back with us for a solo session on bass styles, an approach to playing swing, funk, and more. That's bass styles with Alejandro Arenas. And then on Wednesday, the director of jazz studies at the State College of Florida, Carney, is going to be with us on practicing safer at home advanced improvisation with simple technology. Pete's a saxophone player, but all instruments are welcome for that session. And then on Thursday, our good friends Tyler Wortman and Frank Williams are returning with a basic trombone fundamentals series, Tonguing and Articulation. And if you go to clearwaterjazz.com slash education, you'll see all of these links for all of these upcoming sessions on the books through the mid part of June with more added every day. So if you'd like to get in touch with Butch, please look him up at butchthomas.net. Butch, we really appreciate your time with us today and sharing your knowledge with us. And we look forward to many more sessions with you. Well, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. This podcast series is presented by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. To watch the video of this full session, please visit the education and outreach page at clearwaterjazz.com and click on the studio. You can also learn more about the annual Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival tradition and Clearwater Jazz Holiday's year-round education and outreach at clearwaterjazz.com.